We exist to see God glorified and churches multiplied by declaring and displaying the gospel. Hey, I got a couple announcements for you today, and then I want to recognize someone as well, and then we'll um, bring Tyler to preach. Uh, we have membership weekend that's coming up on uh, March 5th, which is actually this coming Saturday. And so if you're new here, if you've been kind of exploring Emmaus, you're interested in, in who Emmaus is and, and what Emmaus does and what it looks like to be a member here, we'd love to have you join us 8 until noon on Saturday morning here at Emmaus upstairs in our loft. Uh, I'll be there leading that time. We'd love to just walk through that with you, get to meet you that way. Uh, you can stop by the connect table to sign up for that or go to emmauskc.com forward slash connect as well. We'd love to have you join us for that. Uh, ladies, if you've not signed up for our women's retreat and you're interested in doing that, that is coming up on April 29th and 30th. Uh, it's $100 uh, and you can sign up for that and, and join. I think it's going to be a wonderful time for our ladies. We've had quite a few that have already signed up, so make sure that you jump in on that. There is limited space for that. Uh, and then uh, for those of you who, who give, remember that we've also begun giving through Venmo. And so you can give on our website, you can give via Venmo, you can give via our offering box that's out in the lobby. Um, and out at that offering box, there's also a Venmo code now that you can stop by, you can scan if you would like to give that way. Thank you for your continued generosity as we um, seek to um, declare and display the gospel and, and see churches multiplied. And then today's Family Sunday. Last Sunday of the month, we join together. We bring our kids in. We're all together. And so uh, if you're new with us you're, and it's loud today uh, and your kids are part of the loudness, that's okay. All right, we love loud kids. We love cries. We love uh, kids that kind of squirm around a little bit. That happens every now and then for us. We just bring them in here together the last Sunday of every month. Uh, and if you're visiting and you're like, wow, that was chaos with kids, come back next week. We'll, we'll ship the kids off next week, all right? And we'll have a little more peace. But thanks for joining us uh, for Family Sunday today. Kids, it is really good to have you in here with us. We love you guys. Thanks for being here and worshiping with us today. Hey, I want to bring up Risa Woods. Uh, many of you know Risa, or if you don't know Risa, you know Risa's face because Risa is, has been our director of hospitality for the last three years, I believe, um, and has led. Risa hates this, by the way. I was like, Risa, can we honor you today? And she goes, I'll hate every minute of it. I said, thank you. I appreciate you doing, saying yes. Um, Arisa has led our hospitality team uh, very faithfully for the last several years, and, and the Lord's just kind of led upon her heart to do some other things in ministry, and she's stepping out of that, and, and we are replacing her with Matt and Emily Tippin. It's taking two people to replace you, Risa, and so um, she has served us very faithfully. Risa, we have a gift for you that I'll give you in the second service, because if I give it to you right now, we won't have a gift in the second service, all right? So you don't get this yet. Yeah, two gifts. We could have done that. Yeah, that's four years. You got to do four years for two gifts. Um, but we just want to say thank you. Um, thanks for serving so faithfully. Many of you have felt welcome coming in because of her and her leadership of her team. And so, Risa, we want to pray for you. And we just want to kind of bless you as you step out of this role. And then we also want to pray for the Tippins. And then we're also going to pray for Ukraine, right, and what's going on there and our brothers and sisters in Christ there and, and the innocent that are there. And then Tyler's going to come and preach. And if you'll remember, and we brought Tyler on about a month ago. He is our director of worship ministries, and he's also a pastoral candidate for us, and we're excited to have him come and preach for us as we continue our journey through the book of Acts. Jesus, I thank you for Risa. I thank you for her joy and her faithfulness and her leadership and her kindness and her servant's heart. Father, so many of us have been blessed deeply by her, um, many of us even without realizing that she was the one that was blessing us. 
And so, Father, as her and her family step into um, new seasons of serving and, and other areas of serving, Father, I pray that you would encourage her and that you would go before her. Father, as they bring in another child into their home in, in, in the coming weeks, I pray that you would give um, ease and that you would give health and that you would be um, bless that, Father. Father, bless their family. Thank you. Um, for the woods. Thank you for John leading us in worship this morning. Thank you for Risa and her leadership over hospitality. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. We pray for the, um, those in Ukraine who are suffering, the, the innocent that are there, those who are fighting. We, we pray for your grace and your protection. Father, we pray for endurance among the believers that are there, some of which even gathered this morning for church. And so, Father, would you give strength and faith and protection Father, we long, things like this cause us to long for your return to remove evil. Father, one day, there'll be no more tears and no more pain and no more death, for you will make all things new. And so we keep praying and longing for that. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. And then, Father, speak to our hearts today through your word. We need to hear from you. Um, encourage us and convict us. Preach a better sermon than Tyler has even prepared for us. May we hear from you and receive from you today. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, Risa. Thank you all again so much for your flexibility this morning. This is, this is one of the problems that comes with plugging in and unplugging things multiple times on every single Sunday morning is that sometimes you plug it in and it just doesn't come on. So thank you guys so much for your, for your flexibility in that. Um, that's, a, that's a tough thing. Thank you for our, for our, to our band for, for leading us this morning. Um, Good morning. My name is Ben. I'm one of the I'm one of the pastors here at Emmaus. Which wow, that sounds that sounds that sounds wonderful to say uh, for the first time in front of you, um, Emmaus members. It is a joy to be with you this morning. It is always a joy uh, to be with you to to hear your to hear your voices, even to be able to stand up here, um, to see your faces, to see the fellowship that happens before uh, and after worship. It is it. it I hope that it's good for your soul. It, it definitely warms mine. Um, if you're a visitor here, uh, welcome to Emmaus. Normally that screen is, is, is lit up, so this is new for, for us too. Um, but welcome to Emmaus. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that, you're, um, that you've joined us this morning to worship. Um, we would love to be able to meet you. Our, our hospitality team has, uh, has a table out back um, uh, over by the door. I'll be down here or over by the front door after, after worship, and I would, love to, I would love to meet you, love to hear your story. Um, a few announcements before we begin. Uh, first, if you're new to Emmaus, and I'm going to leave that up to your interpretation of what new means, um, but if you're new and looking to get, looking to get connected, uh, pull up your calendar and look at June 2nd. Uh, June 2nd, we're, we're having a, a dessert night, and we try to do these a, a few times, a couple, two or three times a year, um, and it's a great way, if you are new to Emmaus and looking to get connected, um, a great way to just meet some people who go to Emmaus. Um, one or more of our pastors are going to be there. Pastor Josh will be there. Uh, Pastor Patrick heard that there was going to be dessert, and I think he's figured out how to get himself an invite uh, because of that, um, but come and, and join us. It's going to be uh, hosted uh, June 2nd by our directors of hospitality, Matt and Emily Tippin, uh, from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Now, here's what you need to do. The space for that is limited, okay? So if you're interested in coming, um, please reach out to hospitality at EmmausKC.com. Again, that's hospitality at EmmausKC.com and, and reserve, reserve a spot. Uh, so June 2nd, 
6.30 to 8, and email hospitality at EmmausKC.com. One, and the next announcement, if you're a covenant member and you're not currently serving in one of our ministries, our ministries need your help, okay? Our, need your help. I've, I've served, personally served in uh, a couple of different uh, Sunday morning ministries at Emmaus during my time here, um, and it has been a tremendous blessing to me to be able to, to, serve, uh, to serve the body in very specific ways. So here are the areas that currently need you. Uh, kids, production, hospitality, communications, students, and music. So here's one of our, our, our ministry directors. They do a great job of organizing their ministries, okay? So if you've never stepped into to serving, uh, let me tell you that the on-ramp is pretty smooth, okay? They do a great job of outlining, hey, here's the things you need to know, here's the things you need to do so that you can get right in and begin serving. So and we also make it really easy to sign up, okay? So you just email the name of the ministry that you want to serve, followed by at EmmausKC.com, okay? So let me remind you again, if you're a covenant member, here are the ministries for you. Kids, production, hospitality, communications, students, at EmmausKC.com, okay? And if you're interested in, in singing in the worship band, um, you can reach out directly to, to Pastor Tyler at Tyler at EmmausKC.com. One final announcement, which actually is gonna lead into our sermon today. Uh, your pastors are, are pleased to announce uh, that, that Pastor Josh is going to be a, a sh taking a short sabbatical or a, a mini-batical, as he's calling it for some reason, um, from June 13th to July 10th, which is about four weeks. If you know anything about sabbaticals, that is definitely, that is definitely on the short end, okay? Um, but we're announcing this today, but let me give a little bit of context. The elders have been discussing this for some time, and Josh and I have actually talked about this for, for about three years, okay? COVID ruined a lot of things, in, in, including a plan for uh, a, a sooner, uh, longer sabbatical. Um, Pastor Josh has served Emmaus faithfully for seven and a half years, and our sentiment as pastors is that we just simply wish we could give him even more time, which we will at some point in the future. Um, this coincides with the normal period in the summer when Josh doesn't preach anyway, and so we're just formalizing that and putting, putting sabbatical at the top so that he's able to spend more intentional, meaningful time uh, with, with his family for, for intentional rest. So to avoid confusion, um, Pastor Josh is on vacation this week and next week, okay? Then he will preach two more weeks and then his sabbatical. So if you see him in a couple of weeks, don't ask him about how his sabbatical was. That's, that's a little while later, okay? Maybe I'm only, the only one who's really confused there. Um, but if you have any questions, please feel free uh, to reach out to any of the pastors personally or to reach out um, at elders at EmmausKC.com. As we dive into our sermon this morning, let's pray. Spirit, give light and heat to our hearts as we come to your word today. We are travelers in need of refreshment, and we believe that you will give it. Preach a sermon that grants these things and honors Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning is our first sermon in what we're calling our Foundations of Formation sermon series. Okay, Josh previewed that for us a little bit last week. Um, but here's sort of the premise, is that the Christian life doesn't end at the point of salvation. The gospel not only saves us from sin, from death, 
but it also saves us, it raises us to life in Christ, right? 1 Peter 1 tells us that we should be holy in our conduct because God, who called us, is holy. The idea that we see in Scripture is that Christians should become more like Jesus throughout our lives. One way to think about this is that the gospel saves us from, sin, or from death and to life in Christ. In other words, that the gospel should change the way that we live to make us more like Jesus. It should do that once at conversion and then over and over and over again throughout our, our sanctification until we reach the promised land. Unfortunately, we believe that whether through busyness or we just don't know how, many of us neglect to practice the very basics of the Christian life that enable us to continue to grow into the image of Christ. Dallas Willard once said that hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. So over the next four weeks, we want to slow down and we want to consider four practices, just four. There are so many more we could cover, but just four practices that the Bible calls us to engage in for the sake of our spiritual formation into the image of Christ. We're calling these Foundations of Formation, probably a series that will continue uh, in years to come. We can add to it. But over the next four weeks, we're going to look at God's plan to use rest, work, prayer, and lament to grow us into the image of Jesus. So this morning, we look at rest, okay? And fair warning, as I stand before you today, I am well aware of my weakness and limitation in this area, okay? When Josh asked me to preach this sermon, there was excitement mixed with a little bit of dread. And that dread is not because I don't like the topic of rest, uh, but because that topic of rest is difficult for me. I grew up, I grew up in a hardworking family, right? My dad had work projects, he had house projects, and he had side projects. One of his favorite projects, the one I dreaded the most, was in the wintertime when he would his project was to plan the projects for the following year, okay? I wrote at least three papers, and I didn't go back and read any of them, but I, I wrote at least three papers on rest and Sabbath in college. But, but let me tell you, 11 years later would prove that I learned very little. It's only been in the last three or four years or so through studying the scriptures and counseling and, and, and time with, with, with friends and even my community group, that I've begun to understand the deep benefits of rest. As I reviewed my sermon, even last night, and I'll tell you, even this morning, um, last night, now this morning, I've, we've entered into the fourth day in our family without internet access, okay? The fourth day without internet access, and we have absolutely zero data coverage for our phones at our house as well. We had a little incident um, with some road construction that cut our internet lines, and and so the Lord in his sovereignty seems to have seen fit to give us a type of rest in our family that's very foreign to us. It's disrupted my work that has to take place from home. Um, it's disrupted my sermon prep, and it disrupted our family movie night, which is probably the worst of all. But my family, my family has embraced it wonderfully, okay? In spite of the fact that Alexa doesn't work, my family has, has embraced it wonderfully. Our home, a tranquil, transformed place. And I'd like to tell you that I've had the same attitude but my wife will remember my ranting in the living room yesterday afternoon and would be able to tell you differently. Like a, like a child wriggling with excuses when facing a nap, my rest can be a struggle. But I'm also aware of you, people of Emmaus. I'm aware that for you, struggle can be a difficult thing. We as a people 
are busy and strained. All of us, in some of the busiest seasons that life has to offer, we are students, we're teachers, we're doctors, we're nurses, we're in leadership, we're in business, we're in finance, administration, construction, education, food establishments, and software. We're husbands and wives and moms and dads and friends. We have one job, two jobs, sometimes even three jobs, maybe even a side gig. And all of you, so many of you, give generously of yourselves through hospitality and service to your fellow covenant members and others. And more than just busy people, we, we also have the influence of our culture who, who, uh, who's obsessed with this idea of the hustle mindset, right? The mindset that gets up every morning and says, rise and grind. I don't think this morning that I need to convince you that perhaps you're tired. I don't think I need to convince you. I think you know it. I think you feel it. Perhaps you feel it at night when you finally succumb to sleep, or you wake up next morning and find out that the previous night wasn't quite enough. You have the checklist that adds to the bottom as you scratch off from the top. The Wi-Fi that doesn't work quite like it should. I don't need to convince you of your busyness. So instead, my prayer is to awaken in you to perhaps begin a journey, if for the first time, to awaken you to your soul's need for rest in the midst of your busyness, perhaps in spite of your busyness. The type of rest we're talking about today is not primarily physical rest, but is instead deep soul rest. Many writers call it Sabbath rest. And rather than being out of reach, or as we might be tempted to say, well, that's, that's maybe for another season. In another season, I'll rest. Rest is available now. And your soul desires it. Your soul desires the thing that it has not yet known. And here's the truth that we are going to see this morning. Your soul's deepest rest, nestled in the gentle yoke of Christ, is rooted in creation Liberation in the presence of God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, and we are going to be specifically in verse 8. And as you turn there, a quick note. There are a host of wonderful books out there that that are, are, are comprehensively theological and also tremendously practical on this idea of, of rest or Sabbath, one that was beneficial to me is called The, the Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. Um, and out of all of the scripture passages I could have chosen about rest, I only was able to pick a select few, okay? So if I don't mention your favorite book on rest or your favorite passage on rest, uh, don't take it personally, but you're welcome to come and share those with me later. I need, I need all the reading I can get on rest. Exodus chapter 20, verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. Look at this part particularly. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. 
So it is God himself here who's speaking in Exodus 20, this first giving of the Ten Commandments to the nation of Israel. Israel has just come out of hundreds of years of captive enslavement to Egypt. Perhaps at this point, they, they're out only as little as, as perhaps three months. As we see earlier in, in some previous passage, they've only been out just a little while. The, the smell of Egypt is still in their noses. And evidently, as we see a couple chapters earlier, the taste for Egyptian vegetables is still there. Not only are God's people fresh out of enslavement, but this is also one of the first times that they have heard directly from the Lord since the time of their forefather Jacob. There's, of course, no written Old Testament at this time, no Torah, and all that Israel would have had to this point would be the stories of God's covenant with their fathers of old, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They would have had stories and promises. So then in giving these commandments, we can understand, we might say that God is reintroducing himself. As a father, he's introducing himself in a sense to his children. The God that they have heard of, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has now, is now speaking to them and revealing himself again. And look again here, we're interested in the specific command. In verses 8 through 10, there's the command. Here is, here is how to obey Here's what it looks like to obey this command. But verse 11 is where we're, it's very important. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. So here's our first point this morning. God grounds our soul's rest in creation. He points back to Genesis 1 and 2, points back to Eden, the the, the holiest of creation's holies. And in doing so, he says, as a father to his children, watch what I do. Watch what I do. He tells his children who he is. He is creator. And in doing so, he tells them who they are. They are creation. And he beckons to them that they are to follow his example. And so you can turn there if you'd like, but let me zoom back really quick to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, opens in this magnificent statement, this glorious statement, majestic proclamation that says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. The sunrise of the seventh day brings a sovereign declaration of the completeness of a week's diligent labor. And then God rests. But this is not a day of divine abdication. It's not a day off for the deity as if the creator, exhausted, pulls the covers back up over his head. Right? The seventh day does not begin and then end with just this sort of void. This rest of God is not just a void. It's not an empty day. And we shouldn't understand it as such. Because something most special happens on this day. Because rather than being filled with nothing or no activity, no significance, this day is instead filled with vibrance and glory. The rest of God is not aimless leisure or an odd kind of redeemed slothfulness, but instead this day is full. It is full of the blessing of God. God has created nothing on that day, and, and yet it is full of his blessing. But something else is dawning on the seventh day. The previous day, day six, God has, he made all land animals, all kinds, lions, tigers, and bears, a brilliant variety. 
Then the triune God decreed, let's make man in our own image, after our likeness. And the care-filled creation of man and woman created out of nothing, or created not out of nothing like other creation, but formed with process and care. God gives to them then this, what we call a creation mandate, okay? It's a command and a commission. And chapter one, verse, verse 28 calls it a blessing. He blesses them. He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God gives them a wonderful stewardship. He gives them work. He gives them a glorious job. He invites them into his work. Little creators and cultivators, innovators and farmers. Pastor Patrick will preach more on work next week. And I imagine Adam and Eve later talking together, marveling at all that has just been created, all the things that they've just seen. They've only just been born after all. And perhaps... There's this question that comes, perhaps from Adam. It says, so how do we do this dominion thing, do you think? And that's a good question, to which Eve would have probably wisely answered, the father will show us. I got my first real job when I was 12, but I remember more vividly the, the job that I got when I was 16. We, I was, as we called it then, a sandwich artist at Subway, okay? I, I don't know why, sandwich artist. But I was working, I would work from 5 to 8 in the evening or 5 to midnight or 7 to 2 a.m. And uh, we were open that late. Um, I remember going in for my interview. I remember going in for my first day of work. I was nervous and curious and excited by the thought of the unknown work. I remember I was ready to learn and I was ready to work. So Adam and Eve wake up on their with their new blessing, their new dominion, their new commission. They show up for their first day on the job, only to find what? It's a day of rest. It's a day of rest. This divine rest here is filled with this divine irony, for it seems to fly in the face of the task of dominion. Imagine this, right? You wake up for your first day at work. The, the job that you're excited you have, or at least excited will pay you, and you, you go to your first day of work. You, you, you put your clothes on that you set out carefully the night before. You go, you clock in, you show up, and you're quickly greeted. Hi, Ben, thanks so much for coming in today. Here's your hammock, here's your kayak, and here's your book. God blesses them with dominion on the sixth day and then creates a day full of rest on the seventh. And what else can they do on that day? What else can they do? They know of nothing else to do but what they see the Father doing. Church, we are to rest because our creator rested. His rest instructing us about ourselves. We are weak and frail and we do not live one single day without running up against the limits of our creatureliness. Our paper-thin eyelids, they can become like iron curtains, impossible to open. Our mental faculties are dulled before the end of the day and sometimes even before lunch. The rest demonstrated to us by God cannot be less than physical sleep, but it, and it's certainly more. For the, for the rest of God on that seventh day was not physical sleep, for God is spirit. God is spirit. So this is not simply an account of physical rest, but it is an invitation into spiritual rest. God didn't take a nap on the seventh day, though perhaps you should. The rest of God in which he grounds his command to Israel is designed to be an all-encompassing rest, body and soul, as an embrace of the rightly understood, created order. It means this, 
to refuse or ignore the need and command to rest is to upset the created order with presumption, for it is God alone who is infinite, who's infinite creator, without limits or waning strength. Foolish pride scorns rest. Let me say that again. Foolish pride scorns rest and attempts to summit the mountain of infinity. But you're only human. You're only human. If your God has rested, who are you, right? Your entry into true soul rest is a submission to God as creator in acknowledgement of his divine example and your dependence on him for sustenance. The spirit of God does not become encumbered with the weariness of life's toil, nor does he accumulate the dust of life's treacherous mountain climbs, but your soul does. Your soul does. Just this week, you were exasperated, frustrated, attacked, worn out, run down. But there's this message then of rest is ironic, isn't it? Rest as God rested because you are not God. Emulate and copy the divine example because you are only human. God has set this Eden of rest before you and not filled it with emptiness, not put emptiness, not nothingness, but he's filled that day, filled your rest to the brim with the promise of his presence and blessing. It's not emptiness, right? Rest isn't emptiness. Rest is filling, is a filling up. It's a filling up. He invites you to embrace your creaturely identity and set aside life's seeming demand for your sovereignty and your omnipresence. Set those things aside. Jesus tells the Pharisees that the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So receive this as a divine gift of blessed rest. If you're following along, you can turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're going to be in verse 12. Verse 12. When you get to verse 12, you're going to notice something. This is the exact same command we just saw in Exodus, okay? This is the exact same command. It seems to be the same passage, actually. There's the same command. This time it's spoken by Moses instead of by God, and it's spoken to the gathered people of Israel. Just the same as Exodus, except it's not the same. You see, because this, this statement... Deuteronomy chapter 5 and previous and following is, is, is spoken to a completely different Israel, okay? This is not the same Israel who was three months out of enslavement. This is, the, this is the Israel who was 40 years later of wandering in the desert, okay? This is, rather than, than three months, it's 40 years, and, and they have a, only a handful, less than a handful, of the original adult population is still intact. This Israel is on the cusp they're finally on the cusp of the promised land, the promised land that was promised to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this sermon by Moses, Deuteronomy being a, a large, basically a sermon, it's a, it's a covenant renewal ceremony. This sermon is a recap of all of the commands that God has given them during their time 
in the desert. It's a final instruction from Moses, the leader who's led them for decades and, and will lead them now no longer. So notice here verses, verses uh, 12 through 15, right? Verses 12 through 15 is, is the same command for the Sabbath, but then look at how he frames the command. Verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And just lest we think that he's simply giving a command to not forget, okay? Simply, oh, and by the way, you know, keep the Sabbath and oh, by the way, don't forget, right? It's not that because he follows it up right after immediately and says, therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So he puts this, this, this passage of remembrance, remember Remember your time in Egypt, and he takes two rest verses or two rest sections, and he sandwiches it, so we understand that it all goes together. This is not simply a reminder of, by the way, don't forget, but he is grounding here. He is grounding, our point number one was that our rest is grounded in creation, but here we see that our God grounds our soul's rest in liberation, Okay, so our rest is grounded in our identity as a liberated people. It's the same command as Exodus, but now instead of God appealing to his divine example, he instead appeals to his divine deliverance by specifically calling out the slavery which Israel had endured in the strength of his power. So this is significant at this point in Israel's history. We should take note of this because it drives, it's going to help us understand the significance of this passage for us as we understand rest. At this point in Israel's history, they're standing before Moses, and here's the problem. They're already beginning to forget. They're already beginning to forget their liberation. The marks on the bodies of these enslaved people have begun to fade into the dust of the sand. As the old generation slipped away and their desert wanderings prolonged, so slipped their grip on their collective memory of their enslavement and the Lord's mighty rescue. They're on the borders of the land. Why would they remember when all that's before them? There's a wonder that's before them. They're on the borders of the land, which was promised to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there's this tantalizing possibility of prosperity that lies before these nomadic desert walkers. Their time has finally come. This, there will be wars to fight. There's going to be cities to siege. There's going to be boundaries to divide. There's going to be homes to build and a, a land of milk and honey to cultivate. So then, rightly understood, Moses is not simply reminding them to remember. He's saying he's, he's framing rest in this way. Because you have been set free, rest. Your rest is rooted in your and your identity as a people marked by freedom and liberty brought forth from bondage by the hand of God. Remember your liberation and rest. If Exodus gave a theological justification for rest, Deuteronomy here gives a historical justification. Exodus tells us to look up to divine example right? While Deuteronomy reminds us to look up at divine redemption. If Exodus points us back to Eden, here Deuteronomy points us back to Egypt. We need to remember Egypt. 
Because in Egypt, Israel would have experienced their taskmasters that were relentless. In Egypt, their work was never ending. Our work can be never ending. Their backs and spirits were broken. In Egypt, their rest never came. In fact, it was because of their work that Pharaoh could rest. In Egypt, they did not hear the voice of God. Do you remember why Moses was sent by God? God heard of their oppression, yes, right? He knew the cruelty of Pharaoh and he knew the oppression that they were under. And yes, he would execute justice for his people. God would would give them relief and he would give them rest. But the recurring purpose given by God to Moses and given to Moses or from Moses to Pharaoh is this. It's significant. It's not simply the, the removal of the burden of work. The chorus of freedom in the book of Exodus in the beginning is let my people go that they might serve me. Here it is. Rest makes space for worship. If freedom gives space for rest, rest gives way to worship. The people of Israel here are not delivered for their leisure, but for their worship within their rest. Christian, God desires your worship. He desires that you experience joy in your worship. Egypt Egypt had squeezed the worship out of the people of God. Bricks broke their backs, and bricks without straw broke their spirits. Taskmasters kept Israel's eyes on the work and off of Yahweh. Church, God is jealous for your rest because he is jealous for your worship. If you're here today and you're in Christ, your liberation is even greater than the freedom from Egypt. You've been set free from sin itself. Your acceptance is no longer based on your work. Patrick will tell us next week to work hard, but but it's important to know that you have been set free for a purpose. You've been set free, not for vacation, but for rest. Remember, you're free. Your taskmaster has had his whip wrestled from his grip, and the chains of captivity have been shattered. You've been united to Christ and now walk in freedom. And understanding the the connection between rest and worship is so necessary because as soon as you forget that you were a captive, or I'm sorry, as soon as you forget that you're free, as soon as you forget that you're free, you begin the tragic trek back into captivity. Israel threw themselves into the dominion of the promised land, the place that Joshua 1 calls a place of rest. And instead, they made it a place of toil. And only decades later, Judges tells us that there arose a generation who did not know the Lord. It's a tragedy because they forgot their liberation. They forgot their Sabbath rest. And finally, they forgot their worship. So let me ask you this morning, has your worship, has your worship grown cold? Has your worship grown cold? Have you forgotten the joy of your liberation? Are your Monday taskmasters, even as we sit here on Sunday, are your Monday taskmasters leering over your shoulder? Deadlines, workload, parenting, chores, bills, sin. Perhaps you're listening to me this morning and you say, Pastor Ben, you don't understand. You don't understand what I'm up against. You don't understand what's breathing down my neck. 
You don't understand the impossible weight of what I have to lift when I walk out those doors. Perhaps you feel that you're stealing cheap rest. Stealing cheap rest here and there, making up the difference with caffeine or the prospect of someday vacation where you'll just be able to collapse. Cheap rest can feel like that. Cheap rest can feel like robbing the taskmaster, like a child sneaking a cookie, growing thinner and thinner, as Bilbo Baggins says, like butter spread over too much bread. And you're right, of course. I don't know. But Jesus does. Jesus does. It is he who says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is gentle. Jesus welcomes. Jesus invites you to rest. Brother, sister, this morning, if you feel crushed, if you are beset by taskmasters, stumble over to the heart of Jesus, the one who set you free. So what does the beginning of this rest look like? It looks simply like this, gratitude. Gratitude. It's a medicine which humbles pride and lifts up despair. Gratitude involves a reorientation of the heart because it places ourselves back in the position of vulnerability and receiving. God, back in the place of sovereign creator, provider, and good king. If I'm in the driver's seat of control, I don't need gratitude, do I? I only need to be diligent or sovereign 24-7. And it's impossible this is, this is the power of gratitude, is that it's impossible to be grateful without first admitting need and insufficiency. Take time this week, this maybe today, with family, friends, to speak of the goodness of God, his character, his attributes, his works. Speak of those things which are precious and for which you are grateful. We need to try this at our home. At dinner time, we talk about what was our favorite thing today. Perhaps it's playing or getting to spend time with someone or being able to work out or go for a walk or even relax and watch a show, just simple, simple gratitude. The psalmist says in Psalm 71, in the midst of violent opposition, I will, I will hope continually and I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. Your God has done mysterious deeds of salvation beyond your knowledge. Through Christ and his deliverance, you have been set free for rest and worship. Speak of the goodness of God and walk in those first steps of rest. And finally, Revelation 21. You can turn there if you'd like, but I find that it's more beautiful to simply sit and listen. We've seen that our rest is rooted in creation and the created order. We've seen that rest is rooted in our identity as a liberated people, in the liberating work of God. And here, Revelation 21, beautiful passage. When I, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared, at a, as, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be that, with them as their God, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or cr nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Here at the end of the book of Revelation, our, our third point, 
our final point today is that our rest is grounded in the presence of God himself. Later in chapter 21, John mentions that there's no temple, no sun, no moon in this place. All these created things have given way to the thing to which they were always pointing, the brilliant glory of the eternal presence of God. And this is the picture, friends, of our final rest. Our final rest, a glory so great that, God's, that, that John's words cannot grasp to describe it fully. All these things are glorious because God is there and we are there. But just as we now enjoy the warmth of the sun and the moon, which will one day be eclipsed by the glory of God, so too does God offer us a type of rest on this side of eternity, a type of rest on this side of the celestial city. This rest is a, a promise of the rest that's to come, and our participation in it is a participation of sorts in the eternal. It's a down payment, a down payment on our future rest. There's so many things to look forward to in eternity, the removal of pain, the removal of suffering, the removal of sorrow, but there's more than just removal that comes at the end of all things. There is rest, a joyful rest so large, so all-encompassing that it swallows up suffering and darkness and sorrow. And it comes with the presence of God. But it's important to note that that, that presence and that rest is available to you. A down payment of that is available to you now. Available to you now. To grow in our discipline is to in our discipline to rest, is to grow in Christ's likeness and to feed our souls on the blessing of God until God Himself is our blessing on the last day. I told you at the beginning that I wouldn't, we wouldn't cover everything there is to know about rest. But I know for some of you, the question is, what do I do to get started, right? What do I do to get started? Here's three quick things, three quick things. Spend, and by the way, if you love rules and standards, I'm just gonna have to disappoint you, okay? Um, Jesus Jesus broke down a lot of the rules that religious leaders had about Sabbath in his day, and so we probably should not join together what what God has torn asunder, but, but here we go. The first thing is spend much time contemplating the heart of Jesus. In Matthew 11, 25 through 30, Jesus invites the weary and the burdened to come to him and to receive rest for their souls. Jesus calls the disposition of his heart toward those who are burdened, he calls himself gentle and lowly. If you haven't read Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, I highly recommend it. But if you have, simply going through the Gospels, taking one narrative account at a time and considering the heart of Jesus. If the heart of Jesus is a place of rest, then contemplating the heart of Jesus will pave that path for, for, for resting in him. Here's another Here's a helpful one. Find a day. And you might go, wait, wait, wait. I thought we weren't getting legalistic here. And we're not. We're not. The biblical pattern, though, is that we're presented six days of work and a day of rest. Sabbath has been created for you as a servant, as a helper, not as a taskmaster. But I would submit to you that those things, those things which are important find their way, those things that give value, they find their way onto your calendar. To make space for rest and worship means telling all the other things to get out. Telling all the other things to get out. Perhaps it's Sunday or a portion of a day. And maybe you're still itching and you're going, Pastor Ben, just seriously, just tell me, okay? Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. 
And here's a principle that I found. It's not my principle. Someone else had it, but I think it's very helpful, and it's this. Cease from what is necessary. Embrace what gives life. Some of you just heard that, and you go, no, that wasn't, that wasn't specific enough. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But Jesus did work on the day of rest that gave life. Jesus did work on the day of rest that healed. Jesus did work that showed Compassion gave dignity that expressed love and humble service. Go and do likewise. Take stock and consider what things feel urgent or necessary. Lay those things aside. And consider what gives me life, what promotes life in others around me. And do those things. And it's fitting now that we come to the end of our time and we... We are preparing to take the Lord's Supper. This is a meal of thankfulness and gratefulness. It's a meal of grace. It's a meal of resetting our orientation. But we, because we come to this table as receivers rather than masters, remembering that it is Jesus who has set a table before us and has invited we, you, me, we who are far off to come close, to rest, and take if you come this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, we would ask that you, that you not partake here in a moment. We appreciate your honesty of, of simply staying in your seat. And we would ask instead, consider the tumultuous state of your soul and we exhort you to come to Jesus and find rest instead. If you are a follower of Jesus, having placed your faith in him, you can take these elements in a moment when I've prayed by coming down this aisle and receiving the elements over here. Jesus, we need your rest, for we are a people caught in the busyness of life, unable by our weak hands to accomplish what we set out to build. We are tired, and we long for your easy yoke, free from the taskmasters of this world. Spirit, guide our souls back to daily communion with Jesus, for you are our ever-present help. Father, you have designed rest for our good. Wandering hearts with the promise of blessed rest for our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amaze, come and take. Thank you for listening to audio from Amaze KC, located in Kansas City. For more information about Amaze KC, please visit us online at www.amazekc.com.